The Legally Brief podcast is produced by the law offices of Judy Saunders. If you stop right this second to rate and review this show on iTunes or your listening platform, you will do your part in spreading Legally Brief's mission of creating a world where children can play, gather, and learn, free of abuse from authority figures and institutions. And now your host, Judy Saunders. Hello and welcome. Legally Brief presents the Child Athlete Abuse Podcast. It's a new year. I'm happy to be sharing it with everyone, kicking that off. And you'll may throughout this podcast, I apologize in advance. We're still obviously in a pandemic. So we'll be recording many times from home with my dog in the background. I have a small cockapoo, Burton. I should ask him to join the show, but you know, he may be in the background, but that's not going to stop podcasts or stop the message and the discussion that we're going to be having over the coming days. I read a blog post recently from Canadian professional soccer player. She's a former professional soccer player, Ciara McCormick. I was very impressed by the power of her words, the message of the blog. I will link to that blog in these show notes. And again, it was another instance where you read what happened. You're in a state of disbelief and a state of denial and also frustration. Ms. McCormick went in her blog post and in also the news week, you can read about it there. There was a recent arrest of the coach for the Canadian soccer team, the Whitecaps team, the Olympic team in Canada. He was arrested just, it was less than, when I'm recording this show, less than 30 days ago, December 10th, 2020, for sexual abuse, for harassment, for physical, for verbal abuse of professional women's soccer there in Canada. The blog post started with, over the years, she stated, Miss McCormick, she has written this post a million of times, but for various reasons, mostly fear-based, never hit publish. We're going to address what Miss McCormick talks about, that fear. And the way that I've seen it show up is that fear is really the first obstacle in the process that athletes, children, that really anyone, that first obstacle that they have to overcome when they want to disclose, when they want to talk about what happened and telling others about abusive coaches. So let's start with a visual of the current system. I think that will help anchor what we're, our discussion. So currently we have a system of athletics that includes the people, the children, parents, coaches, and the different sporting organizations, the governing bodies or the sporting associations. And let's say that this picture, this visual, it's a factory. There's an assembly line with a conveyor belt. Picture, you know, in the Hollywood movies, that gray room that you would see in a large cavernous factory, machinery, dutiful workers dressed in uniforms. There's a stern boss or manager peering down on the factory floor, holding on to black railings. And the product in the factory that we're going to be talking about is they're producing athletes, strong, agile, stone-faced athletes that perform when prompted. The hope is that they're producing a product that incurs little or no injury. And definitely this product, this athlete that is currently being produced does not complain and doesn't deviate from the process. On the factory line, of course, in this visual that we're talking about, the first component that must go in, that must be screwed in to clearly ensure that the athlete and their parents understand 
the process, understand the product that they're building is control. Control has to be put in. It has to be that first screw, that first cog that's put in. And control, we know, goes hand in hand with fear. And it's the fear that leads to the sexual, the physical, the emotional abuse. And how do they place this fear in? Because unlike a screw, it's not something tangible that you can hold. But the coaches and the institutions, they use this by stories, stories that they tell the athletes and their parents about past disasters if parents and athletes don't listen or either future calamity if you don't listen to the coach. And that fear, what's so insidious and so powerful about it is that when used by a reckless, used by an intentional, used by an abusive coach, it serves to discredit and replace the athlete and even the parent's inner voice and their own instincts. An example of that is where abusive coach would say, you know, trust me, you know, I know what's best or reminding the parents that complain about the treatment of their child. Look, don't you know that I know how to get awards? I know how to get medals for your child. Look at my past achievements, the coach may say. Look at my scores. And, you know, that coupled with the, the reputation of the coach, all of these data points, all of these past accolades would serve to just further root in the fear that the abusive coaches will use against an athlete and a child and the parent using that authority because they're saying, in essence, I know what's best. Trust me. So you have all of these things coming together. So the one thing that I could say, which was really, you know, helps me to have this discussion is because I know about what that fear is, how it keeps you quiet, how it keeps you shut up, how it turns inside of you and how it works to chip away and to hide your inner voice so that you no longer understand and know how to make decisions that are best for yourself. You don't trust your instincts. You don't trust your intuition. And it's not just in that one isolated area of sport. It bleeds over into every part of your life so that you are on autopilot. You are looking for coaches in other parts of your life, be it instructors or teachers, be it partners or spouses, whomever it is, bosses. You're always looking for someone to coach, to tell you what to do because you're a good product. You have listened and you know how to follow directions. What you don't know anymore is how to listen to yourself. And I'm really talking about myself when I say this because I know that what the fear did. It shut me up for over three decades. The man that had violated the trust, my trust and my parents' trust, actually, I was thinking about this the other day, actually showed up at my father's funeral not too long ago in 2016, as we were grieving, as I was coming to terms, he was there. I had still not said anything. No one, my family didn't know. No one knew about what this had done. I had actually worked (laughs) the irony as a prosecutor, as an attorney prosecuting crimes against children. Still hadn't told, hadn't disclosed this to anyone. So coming back to the fear in the situation as described, in Canadian women's soccer by Miss McCormick, it was 
it has been described as in Canadian soccer, an epidemic of sexual predators on young athletes. We go on to learn that this investigation thus far has led to coaches in three different national team sports who have been convicted or charged with sexual crimes. And this is happening now. This is just unfolding. And this is what these soccer players, what they've endured. We're just coming to, we're finding this out now, physical, sexual, bullying, emotional abuse by these coaches. We find out something that's similar that we know happens in all of these systems, that you have adults, you have administrators, and Ms. McCormick says, who didn't give a damn enough to do anything. So she's saying as a player, she and the other younger players, you know, they were at the mercy of these bullies, believing that they followed the instructions, they listened, they played, they gave everything, but onlookers or individuals that could have stepped in did nothing. She says in her post that over and over the story would die and then come back until someone behind the scenes had the courage to interrupt their own lives and to get the story going again. So it was known. It was the gorilla in the room. It was just not disclosed. It was investigated properly because of fear. And there's another statement that I want to bring out. She says, if still, this is um, talking about now in, with the 2020 arrest, she was saying, if still no one notices or cares, Ms. McCormick says, it will just confirm what has been the overwhelming feeling over the past decades that people are happy to turn a blind eye and just talk about it and do nothing. So to do nothing about the abuse that we're willing, all of us, myself, and I'm including myself, we're willing to maybe notice something, see something, or see abusive coaching practices that have been normalized, and we're willing to not do anything, or even just to talk about it and don't say anything. Well, this is an action that I know that we all can take, myself included. It's a challenge for this year, 2020, to disrupt this process, disrupt that first screw cog in the process of fear. And how do we do that? This is the action that I want us to take. We're going to tap in and find, get in touch with that inner voice, that instincts, so that we know when we see their complaint of a child athlete, that we would have practiced this inner instinct, children included. If you're the parent of a child athlete, it's doing it for ourselves, modeling when, how to listen to our inner voice, modeling that for our children, and then also encouraging that in our children. We have to promise ourselves to resist this fear with that small act of finding and reading and understanding what the inner voice is and your instincts and your intuition. So there's a story, and this kind of will bring this home, of animals in the African safari. And there's the gazelle who's drinking peacefully at a waterhole with others. It's a scorching hot day, and there's a light breeze that blows. The gazelle senses an inner knowing that there's danger. So the animal freezes, the gazelle freezes, and is listening to that inner instinct, and then is given a second sign in the form of another soft wind blowing. And there's a change, there's a slight change in the smell of the air. And at that second breeze, the gazelle thinks no further, takes immediate action, and runs off into the bush. 
what the gazelle didn't even need to really turn around, investigate, talk to the other gazelles, you know, tap the rhino on the shoulder, have a discussion about was that there was an inner knowing. And what the gazelle didn't know is that a lion was perched silently behind a tree waiting to pounce. So that lion missed its evening meal. And the gazelle, having listened and trained and knowing that inner instinct, acted and avoided danger. So when we think about the danger that builds up, the danger that happens from being disconnected to our inner knowing and our instinct, let me just give you a little bit of the details from the Canadian soccer team, the coach, and what happened there. So the former Vancouver Whitecap and women's soccer coach, Bob Barada, he was charged with several sexual offenses. Some of those offenses included sexual exploitation, sexual assault, and child luring. These offenses happened over the span of 20 years, so beginning in the 1980s and up until recent times. There were dozens of former players, female players, who are now finally feeling able to come forward, and they tell about tales of not only being isolated, intimidated, bullying. They talk about receiving sexual texts from this coach, Bob Barada, sexual comments, being touched inappropriately on the thighs, on the legs, non-consensual touching, and using his position of power to make these sexual advances. And if they would complain, then he would take immediate action, bench them, sit them out, ruin their careers. So that was going on, again, for over 20 years. And we know that over the course of that time, a lot of the players, they were not sitting quiet. They were actually speaking out. But what would happen is that there was an immediate, this coach would have immediate retaliation against the players that spoke out. A remediate retaliation when there was one instance, I remember Miss McCormick saying that she and another player had gone to speak to the team president of the team and tell what was going on about the intimidation, about the bullying, the very abusive language. And they had asked, they said, look, can we remain anonymous? We're afraid for our career, afraid of the retaliation. And of course, this individual, he had the ability to do something. What did he do? He went straight back to the coach and these players they immediately suffered retaliation. Ms. McCormick actually ended up leaving the team and one of the other players, her teammates, ended up being benched for the rest of the season and basically having her career interrupted. And that leads to the second part of this discussion, addressing governing bodies, sporting associations, officials in other places of power that can speak directly, that have a different ability to intervene on behalf of athletes. So Ms. McCormick talked about what had happened when she disclosed to an official. And we know that one of the things that she notes was that in her instance in Canadian female soccer, the majority of the people she said in charge just brushed it off. They swept it under the rug since these players were in danger. And she went on to say that the same people that brushed it under the rug, that ignored the players and their what was going on to them, they're still in power still today. So 
just to briefly, and we're going to cover this in another episode. So if you're the parent of a child who has suffered physical, emotional, sexual abuse, you report it to a staff, the coaching staff, maybe you report it to the governing body for that sport, or here we have the U.S. Center for Safe Sport. You may have already encountered frustration. There may be a pattern of non-responsiveness. The investigation has been stalled, or there even the investigation has ended and there's little or no punishment. And the system then remains unchanged. That also was a part of that fear that I've actually had the courage to come forward, my child and myself, and there's nothing. So it's also another way of saying you're coming to within the community to try to resolve this issue and there's nothing. So be quiet. Nothing is going to happen. Nothing is going to change. We know now that that's not an option. What parents can do, what athletes can do is to go outside of these governing bodies, go to local police, speak with a trusted attorney. These are the options that you have. Don't expect because of the interest that parties may have in the economics of the sport, don't always expect that there's something that's going to happen. So in just giving you the similar pattern that I have seen, Ms. McCormick also talked about how the institutional structures, the governing bodies, handled the complaints over the years by the women's soccer team. And I have also seen this. She says that early on and how it was set up there, similar to I know in many other sports, there appears to be only one path that you can pursue. So with Ms. McCormick, there's one organization. If you want to play for professionally, women's professional soccer, you have to go through the Vancouver Whitecaps. And there's just one group that's dominated by this unhealthy coaching and abusive practices. And the next thing that she saw, again, similar to other sports, not only women's soccer, is that the fear comes in early and often. And an example that was given from the blog post was the women's soccer team. They were traveling, they were working, they were doing press, they were really promoting the sport and making money for the organization with little to no compensation. So the players were beginning to talk about it and they were noticing the unfairness in it and just they couldn't afford, they couldn't sustain themselves, their lives without having any financial gain, without being paid for their services. And so they were going to come together, the player was going to meet, and then just out of nowhere, the president of the team showed up, which was rare, unprecedented appearance. And that was a clear signal to these young athletes that you're being watched. Don't think about complaining. So again, you have that fear and you have that control. And Ms. McCormick said, it was a clear indication that dissent was not allowed. It really cemented, it really said that you cannot step out of line. Ms. McCormick said that it was an environment, women, the, they're the team, it was an environment of pure stress where coaches had control and we, the players, had zero power or voice. So the third part of our discussion, I want us to really think and ask ourselves, is this the culture that we, the parents, fans, that we want 
for our children? Is this what we want to cheer for? An athletic system, a structure that produces children that live and train in pure stress with zero voice. We do not. We do not want to look away. We want to deal with this issue going forward. We want these stories to continue to be broken open. It's remarkable that for decades, for generations, we're still dealing with this same problem. And I would circle back and say that we're dealing with this problem, part of it, part of it. There's there's several different factors that will uncover and peel back and see. But one of it is that the practice and reconnecting with our instinct and our inner voice so we can recognize when fear is being used as a tool against us. We can then realize that fear is keeping us in that bubble. Coaches, abusive coaches, want us in that bubble of fear where you believe that there's no other path for your athletic pursuits. That's what we we want to do. That's what we want to confront. And that's what we want to totally crush that belief. So today, the challenge for all of us, the challenge for the listeners is to reconnect with that voice that speaks to you. So how do you, some ways that I practice this is that I practice it with little things such as speaking up on the small things. Well, where do I want to go to eat? What do I want to eat? Do I want to watch a certain show if someone asks you? Really tap into yourself and practice it. You know, you're not going to just jump into this, you know, finding or reconnecting with your instincts and your inner voice on big things if you don't practice it in small ways. And that way you'll be able to see that the more that you practice this, your voice will become more clear. It will find you. It will reconnect with you and that you'll be able to understand when you're entering a situation that is not right for you. You'll understand when you're living in the bubble of someone else's fear. So coming up on other shows that we're going to deal with and topics that we'll talk about is, you know, how to disclose the abuse and what happens after you tell someone. We're also going to tackle this year what to do when abusive authority figures or the sporting associations, when there's no action taken after you've talked about your abuse, after you filed your complaint. So all of these things are going to be topics uh, for Legally Brief, and we're now Legally Brief presents the Child Athlete Abuse Podcast. So we're really going to be focusing on child athlete abuse over the coming shows I enjoy and I read your comments that you leave on Facebook and Instagram. You can also email me directly at Judy, J-U-D-I-E, at jsaunderslawfirm.com. Don't forget to visit my website. I'm going to leave lots of information on the website for you. I'm going to talk about how parents can survive and live through and manage the abuse of their children once you find out. And I have left some other resources on the website for you. So go on over to jsaunderslawfirm.com and let's connect there. It was great talking to you and I look forward to our next show. Thank you for listening to the Legally Brief podcast. Remember to join Judy and fellow listeners at the Legally Brief Facebook group. Contact Judy at judy at jsaunderslawfirm.com.
All information and content in this podcast is provided for entertainment purposes only. Nothing in this podcast shall constitute legal advice and shall not create an attorney-client relationship. This information is general and may not be applicable to your particular circumstances. You should review your particular circumstances with an attorney. All liability with respect to actions taken or not taken based on the contents of this podcast is hereby expressly disclaimed.